You uh, like the setup? Very impressive studio. Uh, very digital, very modern. Yeah, I showed him all of our uh, new equipment. Um, you ever been on a radio show before? Yes. Oh, when was that? Political uh, events in the past. I, I uh, was head of the Chamber of Commerce at one time where we would uh, sponsor debates and stuff. That's neat. So y'all did like debates on the radio or like... Uh, Public, then they were on the radio. And back then, that was like whenever radio was cassette tapes and stuff, huh? Oh, yes. Yes. So that was, that was a little more pain. Way before the digital age. Yeah. Little. We still have cassettes and stuff, I think, but, you know, that's all artifacts at this point. But, yeah. Glad you could come. So I'm sure our audience would like to know more about you. I have some questions for you. Uh, first, we will start with questions about your career or... Uh, your life in general. Then we'll, in the next section, we'll do a little bit of uh, less serious questions, hobbies and such, and then a this or that at the end of the show with some good music also, uh, requested by Mr. Jeremy himself. So, let's start with uh, some questions about your life and work, where you're from. So, you were born in 52, south of Fouche. Correct. Uh, raised south of Fouche, born and cut off. Um, how how different is cut off then than now? Like, um, what would you say has changed the most? And for Thibodeau too, because you've lived here for a while too. Well, I think the the entire parish has been materially affected by uh, rising water due to uh, the hurricanes and such and saltwater intrusion. Uh, when I first started. Uh, the industry down there at that particular time was in the when I was growing up was primarily oil related mm -hmm. uh, it's been materially affected by over time because of the changing situation um, it was uh, it was a wonderful place to live uh, I still enjoy what I call down the buy cut off Galliana. Mm -hmm. Basically, Lafourche Parish was Highway One was a, a continuous city. It was a road that ne yeah. never ended uh, with neighborhoods uh, throughout. It was uh, it was very enjoyable growing up. You got to do things in the shrimping and fishing. And my father was a shrimper, uh, a trawler, a trapper. Uh, during the winter time, and uh, did a lot of fishing, did a lot of trawling, and uh, enjoyed my my life as a as a young man. No, yeah, I agree. Um, whenever I go to like the cutoff area, it seems like at one point it was a lot more populous and thriving than it is now. Like, uh, it's been affected by the the changes in time, of, in particular of the oil industry, but that that's the history of the parish has been uh, has had similar things in the past. At one time, one of the largest Cypress uh, mills in uh, in the world was located in Lafouche Parish. In really, a community known as Bowie, uh, which is right near Raceland. Uh, but we had a tremendous Cypress industry at one time uh, in the early 1800s 
and basically we had virgin cypress that was the size of redwood wow uh, redwood trees like in california uh and they're still out there they still have cypress but it's it was virgin at that time mm -hmm. so yeah um a related question about down the bayou or like just living in this parish general so um back then cajun french was more prevalent than it is now yeah correct so like um you speak some yourself do you have any interesting stories regarding cajun french or I could remember when I went to school, starting in first grade, that uh, the teachers, when I w was, we would be disciplined in school if we would speak French. Mm -hmm. And so, as you grew up, my, my parents spoke to me in French, and I learned to answer in English, so I wouldn't be disciplined in school. But I could still speak. Uh, French fairly well. Right now? Yes. That's good. Because I know you've told me a story about um, your father what al was also whipped by the teachers in school for speaking French, correct? Correct. Yeah, and that was, that was a thing that they did back then to make French go extinct. So, you're a graduate of Nichols from 73. Correct. So, first of all, how different is campus now compared to then? Like, y you've told me about certain buildings that were here when you came that aren't here anymore. Uh, what's, like, the biggest differences, and what do you wish you had when you came here that they have now? Nichols was, uh, was a wonderful university the time I came here. Uh, it was, it still is. Um, it's grown tremendously over the years. Um, we didn't have a football team when, when I was here. We had oh, club yeah. football and flag football. Um, we still got those. And we had uh, basically a lot of concentration of sports was in uh, basketball and tennis at that time. Mm -hmm. The uh, But we did have the – all the fraternities had uh, their own club football teams. and That's cool. It was nice. Were you in a frat? I was. Which one? I was a Teak. Yeah? T-K-E. T-K-E? Was that fun? I enjoyed it. Almost every night. <laughs> yeah, I heard you liked the party back then. Uh, those were the days. Uh, what's a building you wish you had, like, uh, at Nichols, when, compared to now, like, something that we have now that you wished we had back then? I think that... Uh, there were a lot of things going on. There were Pel there was Peltry Hall where mm -hmm. they had a actually the uh, they used to show cinemas there. Uh, they had Talbot was here. I think it was just fairly built uh, around the time I started. Uh, the student union, the library was here. Not the new library, Stouffer Gym, uh, Schaefer Gym, I believe. Yes. Um, there were. I think there was something like three men's dormitories and three women's dormitories at the time. Um, it's grown tremendously mm -hmm. uh, since then. And you've also told me you worked at the library. Yes. Which was a different building then, yes? Yes. Where it was, was it called Polk Hall then? Polk Hall. And you were a librarian or you... Uh, you sorted books, or 
I actually was maintained the Dewey Decimal System. Oh yeah, yes, That's cool. And you graduated from Nichols with a history major and a minor in French and business. Correct. Um, what made you decide on history and French and business? I always jo- enjoyed history, and uh, I think it was important to study business as a complementary to that degree. Uh, it was very important at that time uh, to get into law school because uh, about all you could do with a history degree is either teach or um, or go to law school. Mm-hmm. So I went to law school. Did you just did you uh, know you were going to become a lawyer when you started Nicholas? I was the first uh, on my father's side to graduate, second to graduate from college. That's good. Uh, and on my mother's side, uh, we had various uh, college graduates. Uh, they were most of my family were teachers until I graduated from law school. Mm-hmm. So after Nichols. You went to LSU, which you've told me was like the fourth or third law school. There was three law schools in Louisiana at the time, correct? Uh, there were uh, there were four. You had LSU, uh, Paula Hebert uh, Law School. You had Loyola, and you had uh, Tulane and Southern, which are the same four we have now. Oh, so they're... They're still the only four law schools. Yes. Okay. Um, so, what was law school like in the seventies at LSU? How how was LSU different too? LSU was a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, really. It was more concentrated because you weren't going to different uh, buildings and different uh, for different courses. Basically, the law school was one building. Everything was oh, taking okay. place there. Uh, Law school was very different than college. It was, you would uh, work for an entire semester. Um, There was never testing in between. Uh, And you would take one test at the end of a semester. So all your work was based on what you would do in a three-hour essay exam. Um, after attending courses for four months and uh, and everything would be one test for the entire course. Uh, you've also told me that uh, the grading system for law school was different? When I started in, in law school at LSU, um, years and years before uh, there's been a determination by this, the faculty of the school that uh, no one could do better than an 89 on a 100-point system uh, in law school. So actually, the grading system was the highest grade you could ever get in law school was 89. You'd come back and uh, after a semester, and people would ask you how you did, and you'd tell them something like, well, uh, I had a, an 83 average, and... On a 100-point scale, that would be a, a low C. But in the law mm-hmm. school scale at LSU, that was a that was an A. Uh, do you mind scooting up a bit? Just uh, catch sure. a little more audio. So um, you've also told me uh, when you were in law school, there were 
different people from different schools and you sat next to two people from what schools it was yale and no it was harvard and um georgetown and you outmatched them in a score like on test when you when you went to law school in those days i assume it's the same now but basically the the classrooms were made like a crescent um and there was a seating order so when you went to class you didn't get to sit as a freshman you couldn't sit where you wanted to sit you were assigned a seat so the professor had a list in a crescent shape on his podium that he could refer to a student by by knowing that seat position and know where you were i sat next to a harvard graduate and i sat next to a georgetown graduate and uh, at the end of the semester, I did better than both of my seatmates. Says a lot about uh, their education. I mean, if you if you outdid them, it seems like Ivy League isn't all that worth it. Well, yeah, because those are like some very like upper echelon schools. Yeah, education, in my belief, is education is what you make it to. I was very proud of going to Nichols. Uh, I was a cum laude graduate from Nichols. Uh, I graduated a four-year program in three years from Nichols. I graduated LSU Law School, which was at that time a three-and-a-half-year program in three years. Um, by carrying more uh, courses than normal and doing the work I had to do, and. Uh, and you get education based on what you put into it. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Um, it's not really about where you go. I mean, you're given the res if you're given the resources, you can go far. Correct. Um, so after law school, you started working at different firms? I started with my uh, father-in-law, who was Mr. Edward T. Diaz. Um, he had a law firm that was called Diaz and Heron at the time. Uh, I was never asked to go and work for him. He basically, I graduated from law school, said this is, this is your office, this is your desk, this is what you're going to be doing, and that's what I did. And then uh, over time, you got your own firm, or you became partners in that firm? I became partners in the firm, and then uh, I left after about eight or nine years. I've been practicing law now 45 years. I had a, a law school uh, friend of mine by the name of Christopher Smith who practiced law with me as a partner for a number of years. And then I was solo uh, until your, your mother graduated from law school in 2001. Actually, she graduated shortly after 9-11, mm -hmm. 2001. And uh, she became my next law partner. And you were also a chairman for the board of IDB. Can you explain that? Yes, uh, before the present IDB system, the defender system, um, it is now a state-run agency uh, and it's it's maintained by the a state agency with individual districts. Prior to that, each individual judicial district maintained its own board. Uh, they would appoint 
the judges of that district would appoint attorneys and um, and the, the um, Chambers of Commerce would appoint lay people to serve on the board. Uh, I was chairman of the IDB for 15 years. Uh, when I became chairman, we started computerizing the system. Uh, we brought in uh, computer into the computers into the system. We brought in uh, accounting uh, computer accounting into the system. Uh, data retrieval into the system uh, was started when I was chairman. We did all the hiring and the firing of, uh, of assistants and secretaries and such and investigators. The uh, actually, at, when I first started practicing law, around I started in 1976, but in 1977, I was actually an assistant defender. Uh, that time, there were only three: uh, the the main defender and then two assistants. And I, I was there for the beginning of that system. Prior to that. Before there was an injured defender system, uh, judges would pick people, attorneys walking in the back of the courtroom. You got to come defend this guy. Yeah. And you would have it was a horrible system because you would have civil attorneys that never practiced criminal law mm -hmm. handling criminal cases, which that sounds not, chaotic. Not too intelligent. Yeah. No. And that was they stopped doing that when. The the, uh, the injured defender system actually started around 1977, 78. Uh, but before that, you just get picked on by, by a judge to represent someone. So speaking of criminal and civil, what's the difference uh, between civil, common law, criminal law? Well, that's a big thing to talk about. Uh, first off, uh, of the 40... Of the 50 states, uh, Louisiana is the only state that is not based on English common law. It's based on uh, French, Roman, civil law. Like we like to call it civilized law because everything is codified. Uh, common law is based on stereodesis, uh, precedence, uh, which is the decisions made by prior cases. Uh, civil law, you analyze uh, a little bit differently, um, which our law in Louisiana is more similar to Quebec and, and Montreal and uh, French law than English law. Uh, now, as far as criminal and civil, big difference is uh, civil, the only result is uh, you end up usually getting a contractual money judgment for somebody doing something that they should have done or didn't do something that they they didn't do correctly. Uh, criminal law is violation of criminal statutes and the penalty is imprisonment for that. To be found guilty of a, a criminal violation you must be found uh, the burden of proof for the state is to prove beyond a reasonable doubt in civil law, it's about preponderance of, an evi of the evidence or weighing. 51% is sufficient to win. Hmm. If you look at it on the scale, civil law, 
1% above 50, criminal law beyond reasonable doubt. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Because I knew you told me something about Louisiana having a different system of laws than Correct. other states because of its French history. Um, so from my understanding, I don't know if you've heard of this, during COVID, they uh, allowed students, law students, who were about to take the bar to completely skip it. Did you hear about this? Yes. What's your opinion on that? I think it's bad. Yeah. Um, I believe there was controversy in that, um, I believe a justice, so some judge's daughter was a student about to take the bar, and then they decided to completely undo it, like, skip it, and people were pointing that out, that, like, um, that it could be disastrous. Like, why would that be a problem, in in your opinion? Well, one of the things that attorneys do, they maintain what's called E&O insurance, which is errors and emissions. If I make a mistake uh, that uh, materially affects a client, my insurance companies would uh, take care of the damages suffered. When you have an individual that has never taken the the bar exam uh, and basically the Supreme Court gave them a a pass um, that I don't see how any insurance company can underwrite the loss, possible loss, because they have nothing to measure against, such as having a person that passed the bar associate bar uh, exam and obtained a license as was required. When you normally the normal bar exams, um, not all these students that graduate from law school pass. Really? Um, when I took the bar exam, uh, LSU had a pass rate of about 90%. 90% of LSU graduates pass. Um, about 87% of Tulane and Loyola graduates pass. And then Southern graduates were a little bit behind that. The um, So at that time, if you didn't pass the exam, you could take it three times. And if you still didn't pass it, you had to go back to law school. Wow. So what do you measure when, when the insurance company is determining whether we're going to cover this particular individual? How could you measure uh, the liability that they're taking on when that person has never had to pass a bar exam? Yeah, I see what you mean. Um so, like, basically, they don't know if they're qualified because they don't have the results from their bar exams. Correct. Um, so, yeah, I understand. So, that's like a whole generation of students, of lawyers who just haven't taken the bar. And from what I understand, they can still practice law, but they don't have to take it. That's correct. I thought it would have been a better solution to say, okay, during COVID, we're going to hold off, and then you're going to get a temporary license. Uh, practice law for let's say a year or so and then you go back and you take the bar exam you pass it fine you get a full-time permanent license but they basically gave them a pass who decided this do you know supreme court supreme okay i thought so um because i remember uh i think this was two years ago 
and it was so long ago that I don't think most people remember that, but in the law world, it was probably a big deal, huh? It was. Uh, speaking of the bar, uh, do you have any advice you can give to any potential law students listening? Uh, what was the bar like? Horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, in my day, it was, uh, it was, a. Uh, a week of taking exams, um, essay form, and uh, the trauma of having to go through all that was very strenuous. Mm -hmm. be a law school is basically or actually being an attorney is people come to you and they basically have a bunch of facts and they don't necessarily know what the problem is. Uh, so what you're doing as an attorney is being analytical and uh, analyzing the facts and making a determination or, or a plan of what needs to be done to accomplish the result that you think is appropriate for that particular client. A lot of times the client really doesn't know what the problem is. So you have to s listen to the factual circumstances and make an, an appropriate estimation or determination of where you go from there. And nothing makes a client more satisfied than this is the plan and this is what we're going to do to get you to the point that we need to get you to. Uh, so. You've, uh, at your private firm, you've talked to di many different clients. Um, would you say there was, like, a specific category of client you mostly dealt with? Have you dealt with businesses or individuals more? I've done both. I'm in a general practice. I do uh, I do just about anything but bankruptcies. Okay. I don't do those. So there's different categories of lawyers. So, like, uh, a law student could go into business law or, like, um, other types of law, like a, a, a concentration or just going into general law? You could go into concentrations. Now you could go to law school and actually get a, a master's of business administration at the same time you get your Juris Doctor degree. Uh, so it's beneficial. You can go, you can have certain concentrations such as international law and things like that, environmental law, uh, oil and gas. Uh, domestic law, criminal law, whatever you feel is, is appropriate for your particular system. Let me just tell you something else too about um, there are particular individuals that do well in law school and um, I have found that the people that do the best in law school are people with science or math backgrounds because they're so logical uh, in proceeding forward. Also, uh, people that majored in uh, English in college seem to do real well in law school because they can articulate themselves extremely well. And I found that history majors do well in law school too because basically we study history. And I think it's paramount that you, you have to know history so you don't have to live it mm -hmm. again. My opinion. Yeah, um, I agree. We're, uh, I think we're gonna 
move on to the next segment with music in the middle, but we'll come back with some uh, more hobby-related questions. But thank you for your uh, lawyer insight. I'm pretty sure the, any potential law students appreciated that. Um, and also, thank you for sharing your uh, stories about South Lafouche and um, how Nichols was. That was very interesting. But uh, I think we'll move on with some music. So Very good. Uh, we'll be right back with more questions. For Carlton Sherman, you've been listening to 91.5 Canish U Thibodeau, your local alternative. One second. Starting the recording. Um, also, about foods and drinks, uh, favorite alcoholic beverage? Uh, I like uh, a nice red wine mm-hmm. uh, with a dinner occasionally. Uh, also like cold beer on a hot day. That's good stuff. Uh, not a vodka fan, not any uh, hard drinks. I like rum. Rum. So your favorite b- alcoholic beverage would be wine and then beer? Wine and beer. Yeah, that's a good choice. Now how about your favorite holiday? Christmas. Christmas? Christmas Eve. Yeah, Christmas Eve is better. Opinions on Mardi Gras? Uh, I go to New Orleans with Mardi Gras maybe once every five to ten years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's enjoyable. Uh, opinions on Halloween? I enjoy Halloween. Thanksgiving? Enjoy Thanksgiving. Sir, I enjoy all holidays. This is no holiday you don't like? I like them all. That's good. Now, do you have a favorite TV channel? Because I know you love um, watching TV. I watch news programs. Yeah. Uh, mostly um, NBC, MSNBC? Mostly. And CNN. Uh, what about... Um, I know you watch a lot of history channels. Yes, I do. What's your favorite one? I like looking at histories of uh, documentaries. I like history of uh, World War II. I like uh, histories of all battles that we fought. I was uh, in uh, the Reserve Officers Training Corps when I was at Nichols. Uh, and I actually received a scholarship from... Um, from the army at that time uh, to go to Kent University and other universities on an ROTC scholarship. Uh, I was a national finalist for ROTC and uh, thought about seriously making uh, the uh, army a, a career, full-time career. Really? And this was around, this was during Nam? Yes, during the Vietnam War buildup. Wow, okay. You would say Gerald TC was a good um, thing to be in at the time? You really enjoyed it? I did, yes. It teaches discipline and regimentation. Yeah, that's what I wasn't in it, but most of my friends did enjoy it. Um, Yes, your father is a who was also an attorney, by the way. Yeah, went to the Air Force Academy. As I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's told me stories about that. Uh, moving on from favorite TV channel, do you have a favorite movie? I generally like um, dramatic uh, crime type movies, uh, spy movies, things mm-hmm. like that. So, uh, science fiction too. Science fiction too. 
No particular one in mind? No, not in particular. I like Bond movies and Bond movies, things like that. You like superhero movies? Sure. You have a favorite one? I've watched most of the Marvel uh, things, Iron Man, such as that. Uh, I like that. What about a... Uh, you've watched war movies. We watched, um, what was it, Patriot the other day? Yes. You have a favorite war movie? Or like a... Revolutionary War, that was uh, the Patriot. I watched uh, Tom Hanks in his movie uh, about D-Day and uh, Saving Private Ryan and all those old those type movies. I enjoy that. What's that director's name that directed The Patriot and Braveheart? Um, he's an actor too. He was the main actor in Braveheart. He's made a lot. He made The Passion of the Christ. You know yes, yes. Passion of uh, Great thing about having an iPad, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. He, uh, you have a favorite Mel Gibson movie? Do you know? I enjoyed The Patriot. I enjoyed uh, the um, the Christ movie. That was an Passion intense movie. Passion of the Christ. Yeah. I liked um, Apocalypto. I watched that too. I was I enjoyed that movie. That was a crazy movie. Favorite. Music genre? Seventies, uh, soft rock. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you told me about that band you liked, uh, Crosby and um, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. At uh, when I went to college, I had a tape player and I had one cassette tape. So my roommate Kim uh, Saint Pierre and I listened listened for. That tape player, that one video, that one cassette tape every day <laughs> during our freshman year. Must have been a really good... That's all we had. Must have been really good music. I enjoyed it. Now, how about your favorite sport to play and watch? I used to play uh, intramural uh, basketball when I was at LSU. I played football. Uh, flag football and club football and uh, at Nichols when I went to Nichols uh, through the fraternity that I was in. I enjoy football. I enjoy LSU football. I enjoy uh, basketball. I enjoy fishing. I have a lifetime fishing license. I used to fish twice a week uh, when I was younger. Uh, I'd go out fishing midweek an afternoon fishing trip and I go every Saturday or Sunday for a full day of fishing saltwater fishing saltwater fishing uh, so your favorite teams for football would be LSU LSU Saints Saints uh, favorite we kind of talked about this favorite era of history to study or learn about I like all areas of history, but mostly from uh, from after, I like from things from 1900, uh, World War One, World War Two. It's like modern era war. Vietnam, Korea, things like that. Yeah, those are some really interesting eras to look at. I know you watch a lot of the World War Two documentaries. Yes, uh, those are very good, and interesting. Uh, and you've been to the World War II Museum, too, I assume. Yes. Recent. Have you gone Several recently? Several times, yes. 
uh, they've been adding a lot. Um, if you haven't been, listeners, I highly suggest going. It's really great. World War II Museum in New Orleans. Um, this next question: favorite war? World War II. I don't think a war. Is no, no, no favorite. <laughs> Not really. Something should be your favorite, but like, yeah, um, favorite war to study. I assume that'd be World War Two. Probably. Uh, also a history question because you know you like history and you're a history major. Favorite president? I think uh, Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. was our greatest president, other than George Washington. Uh, I also think that Frank- Franklin Roosevelt. Uh, was a great president. Mm-hmm. I think Harry Truman was a great president. Yeah. I think Gerald Ford, uh, not Gerald Ford, uh, Eisenhower? Ro- Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan? Was a great president also. There's been a lot of discussion about um, certain presidents. Uh, Lincoln, actually, there's been a lot of discussions about um, people saying he wasn't as great a president as. Uh, they say he was mainly because of um, how he used his presidential power. They said he was a little more authoritative. Um, he also they also point out about Lincoln that he didn't really care about slavery as much. You heard about that? Yes, he wasn't necessarily uh, anti-slavery, but I think it grew into him in, into uh, his presidency uh, as he saw what was developing. In the country, he saved this country. He did, uh, and basically, like he said, uh, "House divided cannot stand," mm-hmm. and uh, which is another portrayal of history of some of the things that are going on at this present time, which is disappointing. But regardless, uh, he saved this country, and some of the things, the actions he took, were necessary to do the things that had to be accomplished. Uh, in the time that he had to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. With the uh, Emancipation Proclamation. Correct. Yeah, uh, people say... The 13th Amendment. Mm-hmm. People say um, he was authoritative, and he didn't care about the slaves, but eventually he probably... It seems he did, or at the very least, he saw the the advantage of having freed slaves on the Union side. But, um, yeah, I mean, I like him too. But I do understand, like, I can understand why... He's not as perfect as people say he is and why he may not be people's number ones, but I think he was a good president. Um, as for the other ones you said, um, you said FDR. I think he was also a good president, um, but there's also been discussion about uh, how his Great New Deal was not as effective as first. You've also heard about this? Yes. Yeah, it took a while to get off the ground. Actually, it's... the. Entry into World War Two that actually saved the economy. Yeah, with the wartime uh, production. You said um, Truman, um, who actually I've learned Truman. Did you know Truman was the poorest U.S. president? Yes, he was, he was also, a haberdasher. Yeah, he um, also was the first, or I think the only orphan president too. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I think the thing with Truman is people talk about the the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, I've been looking into that issue a lot lately because people are saying it wasn't necessary or it was necessary. Uh, What do you think? Do you think it was necessary? It saved lives. Yeah, that's what I think too. If you look at Okinawa, 
the the uh, ferocity of the civilian population in fighting off the uh, invasion of Okinawa was uh, an example of what would have happened if the main islands of Japan were invaded by uh, the American military. Uh, so actually the H-bomb and the atom bomb actually saved lives yeah, in the long run. I think so too because if they haven't, if they didn't do that, they would have to do a full scale of Japan and I think Japan at the time was willing to throw every civilian at the Americans to stop them for as long as possible. That is correct. Yeah, and um, but I also heard there's been a lot of discussion about this that there's a new idea that it wasn't the bombs that made Japan surrender, but did you know that at the same time that that was happening, right after Hiroshima was dropped, Russia started invading Manchuria? Yes, they, uh, shortly thereafter, that uh, there was still a standing a Japanese army in China at the time and in Manchuria. Um, and, and basically the, the Russians took advantage of that situation. Yeah, people have been pointing out it wasn't the bombing, it was Russia that caused them to surrender. But there's a lot of debate on it. But, uh, yeah, that's a thing. No, I don't think that's the case. Uh, but they took, the Russians took advantage of it. But the, the situation for us them giving up, I think that the only thing that prevented them or that made them do it, it was the promise that the emperor would not be removed. Yeah. Now, the, uh, the emperorship's still around in Japan. Yes. But who knows, like, maybe there's another universe where there's no emperor anymore, but they, they uh, really wanted to keep him, so. Uh, you also said Reagan. Um, a lot of people don't like Reagan anymore. Um, I think that's because there is a, there's a lot of controversy. Now, um, he, I, you've lived through Reagan. I haven't. People my age tend to look back on him negatively. What did you like about um he brought a fresh approach to government. A lot of people call it a trickle-down economy. It's still around today. Um, conservatives believe that is uh, an appropriate way to run the economy. It's pure capitalism. But um, he had very effective people around him, and he got things done, and he made... Uh, and I think the, the saying is a shining light upon the hill uh, which made people more uh, more uh, attuned to the approach of America I mean we had just gone through Arlen embargo uh, Iran hostages had been taken uh, during the Jimmy Carter administration uh, we were going through a lot of bad times, and mm -hmm. I think he brought some hope and enlightenment to government. Yeah, I do appreciate Reagan for uh, taking us out of that recession and um, further causing the Soviet Union to collapse, but um, people my age don't like him as much because of the trickle-down economics people my age don't really agree with that and also how he ha handled the AIDS epidemic at the time 
he gets a lot of blame for that yeah my friends my generation next question favorite place you visited now i know you've been to several places around the world correct correct what's uh your favorite city you've been to i enjoyed um northern italy um switzerland um Lake Lucerne in Switzerland is a beautiful place. Lake Como on uh, in Italy. Um, I've been to various cities there. I enjoy historical things. I've enjoyed things in uh, places in Mexico and uh, the Caribbean also. West Coast, Alaska. I've been all over the place. Yeah, you've been to quite a few places. Um You've been to Rome? Went through Rome. Uh, and you've been to Paris? Been to Paris. Um, well, you have a favorite city, like, uh, out of all the European cities you visited? I enjoyed uh, Zurich, Switzerland. I enjoyed Rotterdam and Amsterdam uh, in Holland. Uh I've been to Frankfurt, fantastic city, uh, Mats, Germany. We had a, a high school student from uh, overseas that lived with us from Mats, Germany. Uh, we've had, during your mother's uh, high school career, we had several uh, students uh, that would come over and uh, live with us. Characters. Yes. Uh, we had Thomas from Sweden. We had... Uh, uh, Heike. Heike from Germany, Mats. Uh, we had... Um, Sasha. Sasha or Alexander from uh, France. Alexander? Sasha's Alexander. Yes, Alexander. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was his middle name. Yes. Yeah, so you're well in tuned with different countries, different cultures, it seems. Yes, we enjoyed it. Coming back to the local level, though, what's your favorite restaurant, Thibodeau? Oh, uh, probably uh, Freeman's and uh, Politz. Politz is very good. Now, I know your favorite restaurant of all time is Superior Grill. Correct. Baton Rouge. Do you have a preference as to which location you prefer, the New Orleans or Baton Rouge? I've been to both. I enjoy both. I prefer the New Orleans location, actually. I, I like the, um, the atmosphere there more. Um, that's a very good restaurant. Listeners, if you are in Baton Rouge or New Orleans, go to Superior Grill. It's great. Now, I think the listeners want to hear this question the most. They want to hear your opinion on this. So are you ready? Sure. you have a favorite bar in Thibodeau? Oh, favorite bar in Thibodeau. You know, I don't. I don't frequent the bars anymore. Yeah. When I was in college, though, I, it was a bar I frequented every night. It was called the Tiki Lounge. What was that? It was on the buy side in uh, Thibodeau. I think it's some kind of uh, Mexican grocery store or something that effect now. Hmm. But it was a neat little place when I was in college. I've never. I gotta look into that. Um, I didn't know Thibodeau had a, a 
bar like that. I know right now we got Roxes and Renees and the Goose. I've been to the Goose and the Roxes and all, but uh, you're asking me. I don't frequent bars anymore, and like I said, uh, when you were young, yeah. From what I hear, you used to, used to frequent the bars a lot. When I was young, <laughs> and that was back when uh, drinking age was eighteen too. That's correct. Yeah. Did you know that uh, Thibodeau is ranked high in terms of bar towns? Like, we have a good concentration of di- good dive bars. We've been ranked high. Well, uh, no, I didn't. But when I was here, they had the Rebel Club and they had the College Inn and a couple other nice places, the Tiki. Uh, yeah, I knew them all. <laughs> you frequented them often. So.